Lecture topic: Training the mind. As we have been previously doing, reading from the writings of our Kabir, from their discourses, from their malfuzat. The purpose of all these discussions, as mentioned over and over again, is our Islah. I am most in need of it, and this is what all of us should have the same need that this is for my Islah. Knowledge, increasing knowledge, that itself is a very great thing that a person should always be trying to increase his knowledge in terms of deen because knowledge is the path and without knowledge if there is jahalat then a person can get nowhere regardless of how good intentions he might have and how good his zeal and enthusiasm might be but if he doesn't have the correct knowledge then he's not going to do things correctly so a person has a lot of zeal to perform salah for example Alhamdulillah, what a wonderful thing. <coughs> but if supposing he's performing the salah in a way where that salah is not being done correctly as a result is not even valid. All the time and effort that he spent, all that was of no avail to him, no benefit to him. Why? Because he was doing it incorrectly due to not having the full knowledge of how to do it correctly. He was missing out on something important. And this is a common problem, unfortunately. Many a times people are doing things, sometimes people themselves, something triggers off a question in their mind, and then they ask someone. Sometimes they don't even realize it, somebody else notices something, how they're going about it. And now they realize that for the past 10 years, 20 years, they're doing something in a certain way, but that is invalidating the salah. They're doing something which is due to that being missed out. The salah is highly deficient, if not invalid itself. So therefore, the knowledge is fundamental. So therefore, this is also something to always be checking, double-checking, learning, increasing one's knowledge. So while that is matloob, that is a requirement, but together with that, the niyat is our Islam. Sometimes a person learns something, he has the knowledge of it. But if that niyat is not of Islam, that niyat is not to correct oneself, to bring what's supposed to be in one's life, bring it in, to clear out from one's life what should not be there, that niyat is not there. Then the knowledge may increase, but the amal Amal stays behind. We hear a lot of things, we learn a lot of things, we read up a lot of things, and we do very little. So reading up, listening, all is required, all must continue. But if the niyat is deficient, then the barakat of that amal is not there. As a result, that amal itself doesn't come into action. The niyat must be Islam. The niyat must be that this must become part of my life. I must correct myself. I must rid myself, my life of all the negative qualities, all the base qualities, inculcate all the good things in my life. A lot of this Islam is all about correcting one's thinking. So Tamir Rahmatullah one whole was of it is Islahul Khayal. Making Islah of one's thinking. Now thinking is a very broad thing. One is thinking as we understand thinking in terms of one's aqaid, beliefs, one's viewpoint on certain things. That is also part of thinking obviously. That's a very fundamental aspect. That a person's thinking in that regard must be aligned to the Quran and Sunnah. Must be aligned to what has come down to us from the Salafus Salihin, from the pious predecessors, from the Sahaba, the Tabi'een, 
ائمہ محدثین فقہاء اینڈ دا مستحدین اینڈ دیٹ ہیز کم ٹو اس ان اوتھینٹک مینر ود علماء کرام اف ایوری سینچری سو وی مسٹ بی الائن ٹو دیٹ دیٹ از اوبویس بٹ تھنکنگ از مچ براڈر دین دیٹ آلسو how we engage our minds in general because that is what shapes our action the thing that a person how he conducts his thinking that is what shapes his action if he has trained himself to think in a particular way and he progresses in that that's what he's going to act out to understand this from one example Hazrat Sheikh Al Hadith Ma Zakariya Sahib Rahmatullah Alayhi one occasion somebody told him they're going to Raipur Raipur now was another place where there was a very very senior personality Hazrat Shah Abdul Qadir Raipuri Sahib Rahmatullah Alayhi so he was Hazrat Sheikh Rahmatullah Alayhi also used to regard him as a senior as his senior in a way great personality sometimes would come in the company of Hazrat Sheikh Rahmatullah Alayhi for some time he would send them in the company of Hazrat Raipuri Rahmatullah Alayhi you go and spend four months there and come to go and spend this time and come so in any case this person said he is going to Raipur Hazrat Hazrat Raipuri Rahmatullah Alayhi said to him very well please would you take some thing that I want to present to him would you take it along so he said very well no problem I want to give him some gift, some hadiyah. So he took out the money from wherever it was, whether it was in his pocket or wherever he might have kept it. And now he was counting it out, but how much is here, because he wanted to give a certain amount. So he wanted to give, send 100 rupees. At that time, 100 rupees was a very significant amount. But in any case now, it was 10 rupee notes. So now he started counting it out, 10, 20, 30, 50. the last two notes after 90 was now 25 rupee notes so it was nine notes of 10 rupees and then two notes of 5 rupees so he took those two notes and asked somebody has anybody got a 10 rupee note here so somebody had so he told him okay please he gave him that 25 rupees and he took the 10 rupee from him and now he added that to the bundle and said gave it to the person please take this along and present this on my behalf to Hazrat Raipuri Rahmatullah Alayhi as a hadiyah to him. So in any case that was done, that person now took it, and now he was, whenever he was going to leave, but now somebody else who was now, people were seated around, they all observed all this. So somebody asked Hazrat the question, and this is the aspect about the Ahlullah and their lives and the benefit of their company the things that won't be learned in Kitab will be learned from their actions not because these things are not in the Kitabs it might not be in the Kitabs in so many words but the essence of it is from the Kitabs but the practical application of that we won't understand so we don't see it in their lives because we'll just take it on a very very broad level as some concept sometimes even thinking this is something like abstract to us but when we see the practical application of that in a way that we couldn't have our mind wouldn't have gone to it so now somebody asked the question that that's the thing to ask to learn what was the at the end of the day it was still 100 It was nine rupees of ten note, uh, nine notes of ten rupees, and two notes of five rupees, still hundred. And you exchange that two fives for a ten, it's still hundred. So what difference it made? What was the need for all this exchange? So he replied and said that when I'm going to now send this, this will reach as a Taipuri Rahmatullahi. So it's natural he will. Now, what is the purpose of hadiyah the purpose of hadiyah purpose of hadiyah is mohabbat nothing else 
and to the extent that there will be ikhlas in that hadiyah, this purpose will be achieved. That is being given solely for the flesh of Allah Ta'ala, for the purpose of muhabbat. Obviously, where Shariat allows, because people misuse us, that won't create muhabbat. That will open the door of shaitan. In any case, in the limits where Shariat is allowed, tahadaw, tahabbu. Nabi Karim Sallallahu says, give one another hadiyah, this will create muhabba. This will create love in the hearts. It will create a bond, an attachment. And that is a very, very great thing. That there is this bond, this muhabbat, this attachment. This is a, such an important aspect that we are being now encouraged that undertake those things that will enhance us. Give one another hadiyah solely for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. For this purpose that this muhabba is created. <coughs> giving one's parents something, parents sometimes giving the children something, spouses giving one another something, and likewise some relative, some friend, some senior, all this is part of it. But that must be for the sake of Allah Ta'ala and to create this muhabba for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. It mustn't be in the form of Rusum and rewaj, just customary things, and out of customary things now that this has to happen, and then all kinds of fancy titles and names are given to it, just to make it look like a little bit more dignified. Call now this is a just some baby shower. I don't know. They inviting everybody to see how they're giving the baby a bath. What is this? The kids don't know. You got nothing to do with giving the baby a bath. It actually it must come and shower the baby with gifts. So now you invite it, you invite it to come with a gift. And there you come without it. Nobody will tell you anything, but everybody will think the worst of you. Look at this confuse now. Invited for a shower, so-called shower. They came without anything to shower now. So now it's like a dry shower. This. So dry shower can't wash anything now. This person came without a gift. So that rusum and rewaj actually creates nafrat. On the surface everything looks very fine. On the surface it all looks so well, everything so nice. But under the surface there's something else breathing them. This all is created by these kind of customary things. When things are done out of... Because that customary things creates a kind of now pressure. And an obligation of some sort. A person now doesn't know what... I don't think I can do it now, but if I don't do it then what? If I go without it, then it's a problem. And if I don't go also, it's a problem. I think once mentioned this, one person mentioned to me, wherever he was living, I won't take the name of the place now, but over distance away from here. He says, if a person now is going for Hajj, then even if he doesn't have any, well, this is now, the story was maybe about some 25, 30 years ago that he told me, perhaps it may not apply today because of the how the prices have jumped but 25-30 years ago story it was he said if the person didn't that person couldn't avoid coming he had to come because everybody would look down upon him that this person didn't come because he didn't want to give something and he couldn't afford to come with anything so now he was forced to come now he just camouflaged it by bringing an envelope but he said there was nothing now all this is a result, now all these things are things that create negative feelings, create animosity, create... Hadiya is something that should be out of the happiness of the heart, not something that is being extracted. This is all a dignified way of begging and extracting things, the kind of extortion. Extortion happens in different ways, the kind of extortion too. Because the person is being just extorted out of him with societal pressure. So that you don't do this, then you're going to be looked down upon. So now whether you like it or not, you have to do it. But obviously that completely defeats the purpose of Hadiyah. Khair, any case, this is digress far away. We're talking about this aspect of Hadiyah now. The Sheikh Ramtullah sent this Hadiyah. He says, well, it's something now natural. That when the person is going to receive the hadiyah, the hadiyah is for the purpose of muhabbat. So now, what did my friend send for me? He's going to look at it. He sent some money, he's going to count it. 
Oh, Shaykh Zachaki Many times, when people would come to the Khanqa, Karachi, a couple of times, they happened to be present and saw this happen first hand. Now somebody was there for a period of time, he was there for a week, ten days, and now he was departing. And when he was departing, so now he came to make mulaqat, now he's, he's leaving now. So he's going to make salam, and now in two minutes time, this is, he's departing. So at that occasion, he now presented one hadiah. When I presented the hadiah, so to us the hadiah is a hadiah. So that would, now he, his situation was such that almost 24-7 somebody or other is around. So now there's no chance to wait for something later. But Hazrat would always open that. Right there, open it. What the person has given, he would then make some dua for him, give him some shukriya, etc., whatever it is. But now, somebody was close to him, somebody who had been there many times, somebody who was, as you say, now old person now, is there for a while, coming and going. Now he also, on that occasion, was there for a week or ten days, whatever period of time he was. Now the day is leaving and right out at the last moment, he is presenting the Hadiya. So he opened it, said Shukriya, whatever it was. They told him that you are so long, can't you understand how you should be doing this? What is the purpose of this hadiyah? The purpose of this hadiyah is that to create that Muhammad. Now if you presented this hadiyah the day you came, so all this day, this time that you spent here, already the benefit of that would have been also included in this interaction. Because that would have taken that Muhammad one notch higher. That's the purpose of hadiyah. So you would have benefited from that in all this time. Now you brought it in the last minute and you're gone. So I will see it when you're not even around. Now that purpose of saying this was for his benefit. To learn something and so that he next time will remember the lesson. But now this is their nazar. That is not just what is here, what this should be creating. Not what was presented, but that which it should be creating, that muhabbat. So in any case, coming back to the incident of Shaykh Ramtullah so he said to the person, let you see, now this is a natural thing, when this will reach him, he's going to count it. Now he's going to count it, so he'll be counting 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 9, now he's counting in one sequence now, 10 at a time, 10, 20, 30, 40, and now suddenly something has changed now. Now it has become 5, it was 10, 10, 10, now it became 5. So now it will create that one brief moment of some little, as we'll call, for us to even say inconveniences, like, what's the inconvenience in this? Is there really some inconvenience in it? Because we can't see anything. Now, where we started off talking about is, a person's thinking. What is his thinking? Now, to understand that thinking as well, to understand it first with a different example, one is a person is looking just at something with normal sight. So he'll see it, he'll read it, see whatever it is there, he's reading something, he'll read it with his. But supposing he's got weak sight, now he'll need glasses. Without his glasses, he can't read it. And sometimes with his glasses too, if it's very, very fine writing, sometimes you get on these medicine packaging and so on, some instructions, the instruction is so fine that you now need to get somebody else to read it. So now, that's the person who now will need a magnifying glass maybe to read it. And then there are certain things won't be even visible with the magnifying glass, but if a person has got a microscope, he'll put it under the microscope, he can see it, not visible just like that. So likewise, it depends on what is a person's spiritual sight and how deeply he is able to see what are things happening around him, what are the, where the nafs is playing a part here. If he is very weak sighted, he will regard something where the nafs is so blatantly doing his job, you know, there is no problem with this too, this is fine. Whereas the nafs is having a field day, shaitan is pulling the person by the nose, his sight is so weak now, and sometimes, 
It is a very, very subtle thing. A normal sighted person too, his sight is not weak, normal sighted, but here you need magnifying glass to see it. And sometimes it will only be possible to realize what's here under the microscope, because it's microscopic. It's Ahlullah, they train their hearts in all the good qualities at a microscopic level. And they detect what we can't find. What we come with a magnifying glass, we won't find it. But they see it in that microscopic spiritual sight. Now what we might figure out here that we'll question it, what inconvenience is this? We call this inconvenience? So we can't understand it. But people of that caliber, that level, now that's the point. That if somebody's sight has been developed to that level that he can now see the microscopic things, that is why they stay far away from the things that general people easily fall into. Because they see that glaring. We don't see it at all. That we're giving somebody taklif, for example, we can't see it. We can't see it. But they see it so easily, why? Because they see far beyond. They got that microscopic vision in this whole thing. So they see these things from a mile. This is going to cause taklif to somebody. I can't do this. This is going to be causing some harm to someone. This is what I'm supposed to now, how I'm supposed to react to something. What is the correct reaction here? They can detect it long before our mind can go to it. So now this is the issue that now the mind and the heart is trained over time to begin to pick up these things. To pick up those fine aspects that do what is meant to be done, stay away from what is meant to be refrained from. But it all comes from the training of the heart. And it started over the point of Islahul Khiyal. Even how a person thinks. He's thinking now. His thinking directs him. His thinking guides him. And many of the qualities that we should be inculcating within ourselves, a very great amount of that depends on the kind of thinking a person has developed. Qualities that we have to inculcate the things that we have to stay away from, how he engages his mind, his thinking. One poet, he speaks about tolerance. So now, it's in a poetic form, but the crux of it is, see that this fool, the foolish person, of foolish people, they don't know the job, must do something, say something to provoke the next person. Must cause something. If everything is going very peacefully, then this does is very dry now, there's no excitement. There must be some drama somewhere. Which is a very foolish thing. There's peace, there's afiyat, disturb the peace, upset the peace. So in any case, now he's giving a lesson, but he's giving it in a little couplet, but the meaning of the couplet says that this foolish person is trying to provoke me. He's trying to provoke my anger. But the more he tries to provoke my anger, the more I will exercise tolerance. Now this is the first part of it. See that the more he provokes me, I'm not going to fall into this trap. I'm not going to fall into this trap. The more he provokes me, the more I'm going to exercise tolerance. Now this is, this is what's called azam. The determination. A person doesn't just flow with the floodwaters. He makes a conscious decision within himself. What am I going to do now? This whole floodwater is flowing one side. I'm not going to get carried away with this. I'm going to swim upstream. Lion doesn't get carried away with the floodwaters. It swims upstream. So now that determination. I'm not going to allow myself to get caught in this trap. Not that now just go with the flow. So you see now this person is, this foolish person is trying to provoke my anger. So he's doing things, saying things, which are meant to now incite me. But I am not going to fall into this. And then, he gives an example. So now, 
the example he gives is of an oud stick so the oud stick if you just have the stick only if it's placed somewhere just kept somewhere that stick the fragrance of it won't be felt maybe you bring it close to your nose or something you'll smell it but you're just lying somewhere in the room you're not going to get the benefit of it but then when that same stick of oud if it is now there's a fire that is lit and this is put into that fire so before that fire it was just kept somewhere you couldn't even sense that fragrance of that oud but now when you set fire to it that fragrance went throughout the room the whole masjid will become fragrant now so now fire is fire fire is negative but that oud says that if you put some fire to me I'll throw out fragrance so to speak that oud says if you think you're going to burn me then don't think that I'm going to now become negative about this if you burn me I'll give a fragrance so now he uses this as the example and he says this person foolish person tries to provoke me but the more he provokes me the more I give off tolerance this is like that stick of oud the more you burn it the more it gives off fragrance in other words this, this incitement this provocation is putting fire to me but because the person has made himself oud his thinking is oud his mindset is oud he has a pure mindset he thinks positively he thinks how to try and better a situation he thinks of how to try and diffuse issues his thinking is how to try and bring peace and happiness so his whole mindset is that he doesn't have a mindset that there you tap my toes and I'll show you how it works then so now his mindset is now how to how to escalate a problem his mindset is how to cause a bigger drama somebody made a small drama how he can make it a bigger drama that is his mindset now the whole reaction is stemming out of this thinking this manner of applying one's mind what kind of mindset a person has what is his heart now if he has developed that heart and mind and that thinking into oud then if it is oud then somebody is going to provoke it somewhere but then he gives fragrance out of it meaning his akhlaq will come out his beautiful akhlaq will come out the tolerance will show the forgiveness will show the suppressing of the anger will come and all the beautiful qualities of akhlaq will now display themselves because that is the oud you can't take out any kind of uh, odor and smell out of the oud oud is oud and as the opposite is there if it is something else or sometimes there's some dirt heap or whatever so now it was a dirt heap but there's somebody beside you who had put fire to it now the stench of that is in the whole neighborhood while it was in light dormant it was just dirt only couldn't get the stench far away but now when somebody put fire to that the whole neighborhood is now suffering the stench and odor of it so if the inside has become a dirt heap of all the poor akhlaq all the base qualities there's a uncontrolled anger within there's malice in the heart there's the the burning said emotion of wanting revenge from everything there's jealousy there's all the base qualities and that's a dirt heap it's a very very severe dirt heap now when somebody going to provoke that they going to let set fire to that is going to cause a stench that stench might just extend to the whole extended family also it might extend to renault the whole community so now this is the issue that it all starts off with how a person trains his heart and mind and this doesn't happen by some just thinking and wishing it happens by subjecting oneself to somebody's supervision and making one's islah in a very transparent way in a very dedicated manner 
person commits himself that I need to cleanse the dirt heap and I need to transform this into old then two things will happen, dunya is dunya but previously when that dirt heap was set to fire it caused that stench and now still somebody might light a mash around it but it will give off fragrance now this is the overall broad discussion about this topic there will be specifics, there will be specific situations, specific halat of people etc where the muslih will give a specific direction to him you handle this in this manner or you handle this in that manner but this is the broad principle exceptions to certain situations might be applied where it's necessary in the light of the guidance of one's muslih but this is the broad principle that to the extent that we have developed this insight, this is what Islam is all about. This is what rectifying one's life, correcting one's thinking, correcting one's heart and mind. And that now helps to engage oneself correctly. Think what's the right thing to do, what's the right thing to say. All these things then take one forward and helps to develop ourselves. This is what Islam is all about. Now when this is the need, as we started off right at the beginning, that the intention one is to increase knowledge, mashallah, that too is a requirement, we must keep trying to increase our knowledge. But then there are many, many avenues of increasing knowledge, but the discussions of Islam are for the purpose of Islam. Knowledge will increase, but when it's for the purpose of Islam, sometimes the same thing that we heard hundred times will come up. Because the issue is that this is for the purpose of our Islam, not only to increase knowledge. So we learnt it, we know it. We heard it 50 times, 100 times, but the thing to check now is to what extent has this become part of my lifestyle. So this is the reason we read through these writings of the Akavir to help us try to figure out how people made their Islam, what, what concerned with them, how they were worried about, what, what, what's really something of concern, what they should be correcting, what they should be checking within themselves. And the kind of things they asked, what they inquired about, sometimes we think about it, we can, our minds can't go anywhere close to it. That's the need to read through these things to, it gives, gives us a direction and it gives us the understanding of the practical applications. So this too is part of the same thing. This kitab that we have is a compilation of all the, of many, not all of the correspondence of people to the Tamir and the questions that they asked and the answers that he gave so just one or two aspects that we will read from here so one correspondence of some person, one part of it, one aspect that he asked that mujme zamana se marz hai کہ حق بات بولنے میں یا صاف کہنے میں سختی ہو جاتی ہے person is saying that from a long time I have this issue that when I'm saying something which is meant to correct somebody so somebody is doing something which is incorrect so I need to correct it he might be the father of the home he might be a senior in the community he might be somebody that is in a situation where he has to be correcting others under him, whoever it might be. So now he says that in correcting others, or if I have to say something to clear it out, then I do it in a bit of a harsh way. I have this issue from a long time, that I say it in a harsh manner. I say it very strongly. Now the thing, again, just pay attention to what he's saying, what he's asking about, Hak baat bolneme. Not what is our issue often. That just venting anger because our nafs came in the way. Just because I felt belittled by somebody, what they said or did. Not that it crossed any line for me as such. And neither did, was it anything that, it might have been something that for that person wasn't a suitable thing to do. But I just felt belittled about it. Or something went against, went against my preference. Whatever else, where the nafs is the primary factor in it, and for that now things are said, and what not is said, 
how it is said, that is not what is being discussed here. This person is saying, in saying what is haq, what is the truth, what is correct, correcting somebody that's doing something wrong, but I end up doing it in a very strong manner. I end up speaking in a harsh way. Or is there logo ke kalb ko taklif ho jati hai? And thereafter people are hurt by this. <coughs> so now, there's two separate things. Say that the you know, truth is the truth, like it or take it or leave it, but that's it. No, no, there's two separate parts to it. One is the truth is the truth. There cannot be any distortion of the truth. So what is the correct thing is the correct thing. Something that is correct cannot be now presented in a different way and distorted and mix something incorrect in it. Something that is wrong is wrong. Can't call it right. That's one part of it. But the other part of it is that how is it presented? So now the thing that is causing the hurt is the manner in which it is expressed. Not what is being expressed. What is in which person who has got an issue with the what, if that is the correct thing, if that is haq, then he's got a problem, he has to correct his problem. You've got a very serious problem. That's pride. That when the truth is being presented, that is not ready to accept it. That is pride. He's got a serious problem. But when that truth is presented in the wrong way, so what is being said is correct, but the manner of expressing it is wrong. That is obviously causing hurt. So now this is the person now asking about it. That people do get hurt by this. And yes, they get hurt by it. So koi to bilkul ranj ho jata hai or koi vakti taur par ranj ho jata hai. See, as a result, some now become totally cut off. They totally hurt by this. Some temporarily become grieved over it. Then they'll come right after a while. But it's my manner of saying things how I'm going about correcting things that's causing this problem. <coughs> now to start off with, we ourselves won't even regard this as a problem. I'm saying what is right. Like you don't know, like it up to you. But am I saying it in the right way also? Am I saying it, presenting it correctly? So that, my mind is not going towards that. I'm just feeling now, and this is where the need is to have somebody to refer to. Otherwise, many a times we think we're doing everything well, but in the process we don't know what not we destroying. What if we capsizing in the way? So he presented this as a as a problem, as as a maraz, as an ailment, a malady. So now he's asking this of obviously the personality of Hakim al Ummad, Hazrat Mashawari Thami Ramtulali. So this replied to him, now this is the ilaj. He's asking for a remedy. He recognized this to be a problem. He's asking for his, a remedy. So this replied to him and said, Chandros iska iltizam kar liya jave, ke kisi ko bilkul hi nasihat na ki jave. If it was somebody else besides Haki Bolumbas who have said this, somebody might have passed a fatwa on him. What's this now all about? He's giving him the treatment and the malady. He said for a period of time, for some time, you covet yourself to this, that you will not give any advice to anybody. Now this sounds strange, giving deen in the shihad, giving advice to somebody. This is such an important thing, such a beneficial thing, such a rewarding aspect. And here the advice that is being given to him is don't give advice. Very ajeeb advice this is. That for a period of time, you don't give any advice to anybody. Now, what is the whole purpose of this? So now there are going to be numerous occasions, but the person is committed. He is not chancing here that, well, he doesn't have the confidence in who he is referring to. He is, well, okay, let's see now what he says. If it seems like I feel... Uh, it makes sense, then I'll take it. It doesn't make sense to me, then we'll leave it. So now, he's just taking chances. He's just, well, like somebody goes for a little ride around. He sees something, he feels 
is not interested really in what was. He's just taking a drive. So you have to be just taking a drive. He's not really there to make his Islam. So to start off with, she's got a'tiqad, she's got confidence. And a'timad, he's got reliance on who he's taking that mashwara from. That this person has the ability, the knowledge, the expertise to guide me correctly. He's not masoom, he's not infallible, he's not somebody who cannot make a mistake. But to the extent of what he has that understanding of the person in the light of people's understanding, that inshallah, with the fuzzle of Allah Ta'ala, he will guide me correctly. So now he has that full confidence. So as long as there isn't something that's clear cut that this is not in order, not according to Sharia, then obviously that something is not in order, is not in order. But other than that, he's got the reliance, it is something part of tadbir. It means and a strategy, a manner of remedying something. So he will then adopt that wholeheartedly. And he will implement it. And he will be committed to it. And then in the process, if he slips up some way, he will report that as well. That I tried, but this is where I slipped up. Now what? What's the next step? So in any case now, this person is not just taking a chance. He's got confidence. He's got that commitment. So he's asking, so they give the advice. That you commit yourself that for a period of time, you are not going to give any nasihat to anybody. So now not giving any nasihat to anybody, this might sound very strange to us already. Then before going further, Hazrat says to him, or Yaad Rak, Ke himmat se is par amal kya jawe. Remember, this is not just going to happen by saying to yourself, okay, fine, this is how I will now conduct myself. You are going to have to undertake the courage to do it. What courage here? That you are going to now bubble to say something, you are going to have to take the courage to suppress it. Especially somebody who has this manner that as soon as he sees something or whatever it is, before the next moment he's already said something. He says things just off the cuff, on the turn. Now to suppress it, very difficult. So now remember, you're going to have to undertake a lot of courage to do it. Chand rose, Isa karne se, inshallah, i'tidal peda ho jayega. This is the point. Says, by you suppressing this feeling for a while and just committing yourself to not giving any nasiyat to anybody for some time, what will develop out of this is i'tidal, moderation. Now, in other words, there's something that's going off here now. One part of it is right, that you're correcting something. Something is wrong, you need to correct it. So that's, that's in order. The problem in it is how you're going about it. That needs to be corrected. But you're suppressing everything. Now, it's from one extreme, because it's gone past the mark. It's supposed to be in the middle. You went on an extreme of how you're doing it. So now you bring it onto the opposite extreme now. So when you brought it on the opposite extreme for a while, now when after some time you will now come out of that situation, it will come in the middle. Now you'll say the right thing, but you'll say it in the right way also. The example was given previously as well. One person asked a question, but in any case, the answer that Nguye Rahmatullahi gave him, he asked, the question was, that sometimes there are certain permissible things. It's permissible. But the Mashaif, they refrain the person. In future, you don't do this. But Allah Ta'ala made it halal. And now, you're telling him, now he mustn't do it. You're making it haram. Who got the right to make something haram that Allah Ta'ala has made halal? Now, these are the kind of objections come when a person doesn't have the understanding of things, the knowledge of it. But the Guru Rahmatullah explained to him by way of an example. He said, you see, take a piece of paper and you it's folded now in the middle. It's folded in the middle over time, it got folded. Now you want to straighten it out. It got bent. So straighten it out. Now you're straightening it. But as much as you're straightening it, it's falling back where it is. But you want to straighten it. Because it's supposed to be straight. Somebody bent it, you bent it. How are you going to straighten it? So you asked him the question, how are you going to straighten it? The person said, very simple. You bend it over backwards, so to say. Turn it out the other way, then now it stays straight again. 
Before that it was falling forward, that way it was. But that's exactly the issue. It's not a matter of making something halal into haram. Nobody got the right. That is Allah Ta'ala's prerogative. Wahi has been completed. Nothing that Allah Ta'ala has made halal can be made haram by anybody. The issue is to bring it onto the moderation. You went and bent it over. So now to bring it straight again, you have to bend over backwards for a while. That is a strategy. That is a means of bringing it onto moderation. It's got nothing to do with changing Nausubillah or something in Sharia. This is a treatment. Like a person now is sick, he's got sugar, something, so doctors say, now don't eat anything sweet. So he says, you're not Allah, you can't make this haram for me. I will eat what Allah Ta'ala has made halal for me. So, mashallah, go ahead, be my guest. But then when you come, the doctor is saying now, he's not saying so many words, oh yeah, I'll be the one who will eventually collect the money. Because you'll be coming more often here. Yeah. So now the thing is, nobody's making that sweet things haram for him. He's saying, for you, you'll have to refrain for your health. Because this will become a problem for you. So likewise, this nasihat you're giving is excellence. But you're doing it in the wrong way. So now to come on a'tidal, you now go on to the other extreme first. Of keeping quiet. But subhanallah, the kamal of these personalities is that thereafter he says, or agar koi mawqa nasihat ka aisa ho, ki aap ke ilme foran hi kehna wajib ho. تو کسی دوسرے شخص کے واسطے سے کہہ دیا جاوے تاکہ واجب فوت نہ ہو but sometimes you might now look at the situation that this particular issue it has to be it's واجب to correct it now according to your understanding it's واجب to correct it now so now it's واجب to correct it now but the sheikh is giving the instruction that you don't don't say anything these people who have very, very comprehensive personalities, their knowledge, their understanding, their depth. See, when you tell somebody else to now correct it. So the purpose was that it must get corrected. That got done. But you are still under treatment. You don't say it yourself. But you get somebody else to do it. So that wajib is fulfilled. But at the same time, you are bringing that atidal in your life. Because if you're going to say it now, the next time, you say, well, that was necessary, this too is necessary, that treatment is then gone home. Now, when you carried on making exceptions for the situation, that no, I should say it now because this is an exception, you'll keep making exceptions, there's no treatment left. So you pass it on to somebody else to do it. But now the lessons to be learned from this is that they were scrutinizing their actions, their words, their deeds, we're not just doing it in a casual way. But the person is saying things that are correct, truth, haq. But he's scrutinizing that as well. That I'm saying what is haq, but am I saying it in the right way? No, no, I'm not saying it in the right way. It's hurting people around. And causing taklif to people, is I a Muslim, hurting the hearts of people unduly. This is a very major thing, very, very serious. Very major thing. Undue hurt to somebody is a very major thing. Now he is concerned about it, so he asked the question. And the answer, subhanAllah, opened light and shed light on so many things. Now this is the process through which people went through. This because, number one, they understood what is the objective. Objective is not just to impress somebody. You know, to, purpose is to correct our relationship with Allah Ta'ala. That is the primary thing. Correct our relationship with Allah Ta'ala. And in order to correct our relationship with Allah Ta'ala, then the process for that is what we have been given in the light of the Quran and Sunnah, that we have to learn from somebody. We have to take the guidance and direction from somebody. And this has always happened from the time Nabiya Kareem Wasallam has happened via the process of the Sahabat. The Sahaba became Sahaba because of their Sahabat of Nabi Wasallam. They were in his company. The Tabi'een became Tabi'een because of the Sahabat of the Sahaba. And then throughout the ages this has been the process that it went through. It has not happened, illa mashallah, some rare exception, has not happened in any other process. So that is the process by which we will correct ourselves, provided that there is a commitment, there is that proper undertaking of the process, there is a commitment, the person then takes that advice, 
he implements it in the process, whatever ups and downs will come, he'll discuss that, he'll go ahead. In this way, these things will then be achieved. Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala give us the tawfiq, Allah Ta'ala grant us the true understanding, the correct understanding. Help us to make our Islam. We cannot do anything. Allah alone is the giver. Allah alone is the doer. But the system of dunya is we take the step. We take the step, Allah Ta'ala will open the path. Person has to take the level. The mujahada from the side of the servant, the opening of the path is on the side of Allah Ta'ala. He takes the step, makes the effort, Allah Ta'ala opens the way. Allah Ta'ala gives us the tawfiq. وآخر دعوانا الحمد لله رب العالمين